0: Hello, and welcome to Rusted Junk. Yes, we're going to fit one more in before the new year. That's if I can edit this in time. If not, you're going to be hearing this just after new year. So I hope you had a good one. Um, But uh, we are without Mandy today. Amanda is not here um, because she's a big old frady cat and she can't watch anything. (laughs) that has got horror in it, sci-fi horror. I don't know. Comedy horror. I don't know. Um, So... Sadly, she's absent, but we are going to be covering probably one of the films that I had in mind when I set up the podcast but thought, well, I can't do that because it's not forgotten. But as regular listeners will know, we abandoned that ship a long time ago uh, because people genuinely do need to go and see this. And I've got some good Rotten Tomatoes stuff to talk about the the age group um, and what they're voting and how they're voting this. But we are covering their 1986 film, Aliens, the sequel to the 1979 film Alien, starring Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Carrie Henn, Paul Reiter, Bill Bill Paxton, Lance Henriksen, uh, and many others. Here's the trailer.
1: Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan.
0: All right, people, on the ready line. I me, yeah! yeah! I am, e! yeah! Yeah! I am yeah! yeah! Get on the ready line, Marine! Get down to die! Get on the
1: Light up uh, keep back don't scare movement talk to me hudson uh, i got signals i got readings in front and behind there's nothing back here look i'm telling you there's something moving in, and it ain't us get them out, 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 out of there, there. Look at they cut the power, man. They're animals. Will...
0: There's movement all over the place. Five meters,
2: man.
1: Four. Aliens. This time, it's war.
0: So, what do we think of the
1: trailer? Mm, sold it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I'd expected it to be more 80s. I,
1: I think, like, uh, you know, back in the day, we still didn't know when movies were coming out. And the trailers were the first introduction to let us know that, yeah, there is a sequel to Alien coming out. So, it was pretty impressive to sit in the theater and, and to see that trailer.
2: Yeah, Maybe focuses on the action quite a lot, and perhaps that's because, for some, Alien was a little bit, um, little bit free of action. It you know it was a, it was a different sort of film, wasn't it? So, I think if you went in, it, good trailer, you know, and, as Joe says, tease it up. yeah, a, a lot of action there, whereas Aliens has a lot more going for it than just just the battle scenes.
0: Yeah, absolutely, definitely. What um, what I was thinking about the first time I saw it, so I'll go last on this one. But do you remember the first time that? you saw it where and when
2: i wouldn't have seen it um when it came out i was I was too young but uh yeah i, I remember watching it and it made an impression on me probably three or four years after it was originally released i would, I would
0: estimate all
1: right okay joe yeah i would seen it when it came out and i saw it with my friend he was so damn impressed with this stupid movie that he joined the marines uh i am not kidding it and he modeled himself after hudson <laughs> <laughs> that's the type of person he was in real life it's just like okay. he could be obnoxious at times very loud you know and always wanted the center of attention so he loved that character so much and he actually i i mentioned this too to you guys that he went out and he bought a pair of uh reebok sneakers that were made for this movie that i guess ripley was wearing them i don't think the marines were wearing them they were wearing uh, regular combat gear boots but uh i did notice them i did notice the sneakers because i paid specific attention while doing the rewatch of this movie she was wearing them they were a bit of an extended high top kind of look to it they were pretty cool i i will say and um it was a nice product placement i don't know how much they sold back then but they definitely got my friend you know well,
2: well, I mean, that's, that's cool about the, the sneakers, but yeah, joining the Marines—that's a fantastic story. Are you, still in, <laughs> are you still in touch with this guy?
1: I haven't been in touch with him in a long time, but uh, he was—he loved aliens. It was an inspiration for him.
2: I, I, I can see that. I can see why it would inspire someone yeah. to join the Marines. Yeah, that's uh, not the, the,
0: Navy, the, the Navy. Uh, the Navy, you know, flight school went up after Top Gun. So yeah, Mo- movies have. can't go and join that marines but you can go and join the marines so Mm. yeah yeah good for him um mine is weirdly in a cinema at the time um so people that listen to a previous podcast might will know this already but my parents used to put 300 quid in my pocket ship me up to a student house in newcastle for the for the summer it is summer 1987 it's the Tyneside cinema the equivalent dom probably the broadway in nottingham but lot 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 smaller in that sense um but yeah it was just the place to go you know they'd have movie marathons blade runner and blue velvet and things like that on and yeah we went to see aliens or i went to see aliens with them at the cinema um and yeah i was (laughs) i was 15 so yeah i was i was quite scared by it um but I came out thinking, that was amazing. That was brilliant. That was just incredible. So, with that segue... Um, I did want
1: to ask you, though. Did you sure. see the first one before you saw Aliens?
0: Yes, because the first one, uh, we stuck into the cinema to see when I was there. So, so when did I see Alien? I saw it in a special show in, in eighty three. so I was 11. Jeez. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, there's... Uh, This is, I'm a product of the society around me, Joe. I'm a product of the, somebody holding the fire door open and letting kids go in and it being so dark that nobody could tell that we've snuck in. It's just the way the cinemas were at that time. I don't suppose you can get away with it because you had like barriers or something, but no. Just one friendly person that goes in, opens the fire door, in your pile, (laughs) and making sure that the lights have gone down. Oh, those are days. so, who wants to go first with the score? Do you know what, Joe? I am worried. I'm worried by one tiny thing that you just said. Your friend joined because of this stupid movie.
1: Hmm. Did they say stupid?
0: You did. Dom, you'll go first then. But for that reason alone.
2: <laughs> right, well, if you're sure, yeah. So, well... Aliens has to be considered one of the greatest films of the 1980s, best science fiction, one of the best action films, horror, if you can call it that. And the sequels, I think in this season of sequels you're doing, has there been a, uh, a sequel which has surpassed the original? Because in my opinion, this is a better all-round film um, than Alien. I'm sure we could devote a, mm. a pod just to just to that statement there. So, mm. yeah. Do uh, you know what, as well? If you catch me on the right day and in the right frame of mind... I could even construct a case for aliens being my favourite film from the eighties. I think you know Bar, bar None, but wow, a hard thing. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant direction, fantastic casting, the iconic performance by Sigourney Weaver. I love the way it's filmed, the helmet cam, the innovative way they do things. Brilliant story and some iconic scenes. So absolutely for me, not just a ten out of ten film, but in my personal top ten films of, uh, of all time. That's that's the.
1: The
0: balls out with you that I'm going to give aliens. Yeah, I loved it. Nice,
1: nice. I like that. Oh, and here comes The Grinch. (laughs) The Grinch. Yeah. Come on, come on, movie Grinch. And now you'll be happy. I I mean, I love this movie. I rewatched it just a week ago, I haven't seen it in years, and it still holds up. It's one of those movies that, when you look at the garbage that is made now in the last few years, and you watch a good movie for a change. It is so refreshing. And that's exactly what this is. And people can say whatever they want about James Cameron. He delivers a lot. You know, he might have his misses, but I think he's one of the the greatest directors of 20th, 21st century. You know, he's up there with... um, I, I think he's above Spielberg, to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of Spielberg, but I think that James Cameron just has a way especially not only does he direct but he writes most of his stuff too and and he writes for other movies because i think he wrote rambo and um did he write the first alien um i forget but you know he does write for specific movies too and I, i think he's a pretty good writer what irritates me now is uh he wrote i think uh alita battle angel Which I really love. I I think that's a good movie. I I love the character of Alita. And you have all these woke idiots that are coming out saying, well, why is he writing for a female character? You know, why can't we have, you know, a a woman write for a character like this? What if they said that when Aliens was made? I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, he wrote her perfectly. And, you know, I mean, Sigourney Weaver was an up-and-coming star. I don't know. I mean, I for, I'm really bad with dates and everything, but where was this in the uh, time frame of Ghostbusters?
0: Two two years afterwards.
1: Two years afterwards. All right. So yeah. she was like a a profitable star, and I, I guess yes. you'll get into that in the trivia too. You know whether she was going to come back or not.
0: Yeah, that's a great story.
1: Um, but people for you know they was they take for granted the impact. Of the character of Ripley, uh, she is really one of the greatest female heroes in an action movie, yes. And I i know we'll probably talk about the Jennifer Hudson, uh, Jennifer Oh, Lawrence. I was going
0: to lead into that, yeah, yeah, but by all means, start it off because I think it's uh, she says she's misquoted. So, so tell our listeners who you know probably don't watch, you know, watch
1: know. Twitter or. Well, Jennifer Lawrence was the girl from The Hunger Games, and she was just basically tooting her own horn and saying that before her in The Hunger Games, nobody was willing to take a chance on having a, a female drive a uh, an action. <laughs> Wait movie. a minute, Joe.
0: I've got to take a got to take a drink of beer so I can go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because uh, she said what? No, and and she got ripped to shreds because even like if you look throughout history, I, ever since she said that, I kept trying to think of like all these different heroes in cinema or heroines in cinema that came before her and one of the first ones i'm just going to bring this out here was Scarlett O'Hara. if you haven't seen gone with the wind yeah she changes from the very beginning until the end and it's through her perseverance that so many people survive it's just you know again you don't have to be killing people every five minutes to be a hero you know you, you can be hero in, in different ways but getting back to Aliens. It's just the character of Ripley is so iconic. And especially over in Japan, when you look at anime, they were influenced by her, I think her performance. Cause most of I would say when you look at anime, I would say there are more female centric main characters in anime than there are male ones. And they definitely pay like a homage to Ripley. Like, I don't know if you guys, I'm a big anime fan. If you guys ever get a chance Watch Appleseed and the character is called Duna Newton. I kinda wonder if that's also kind of like a tribute to Newt in a way. But okay. she is such a great character and she is like Ripley, except she's on steroids. Uh I if I'd watch the first ten minutes of the movie and if you think it's crap, just turn it off. It's All it's right, amazing. Right. Um But yeah, I mean, I I, I really enjoyed the movie. I kind of wrote some notes because I'm like a little half asleep since, you know, I'm also recovering from illness. Um, But what else? I would love to see James Cameron direct a Star Wars movie, you know, Uh, because Star Wars is at that level right now where it's just uninteresting. And I think that he could redeem all that but he's stuck with his avatar stuff oh
0: i uh, know uh, that's why i don't want him touching star wars between you and me
1: but well yeah. i don't know um but I, well, we'll get to james cameron later too that's, oh we will we will um but i will say for as far as the movie goes my rating i'll give it a nine out of ten. Oh joe i was are you trying to say that's a bad score <laughs> joe that's
0: not a, re- a, a reflective oh I thought we were gonna. I was gonna make a sign and I was gonna hold it up, going "perfect 30 or something like that.
1: No, it's not gonna give it mean, away.
0: Give it away, mine. Nine. It's
1: rare. I'm gonna give. What's wrong with it, Joe? Well, no, I no, will. No. I'll point out specifically with the special <laughs> edition. I I prefer the theatrical one over the special <sighs> edition.
0: The theatrical version makes no sense now that you know the special editions
1: out there. I think that it ruins the pacing a little bit by. Adding a bu- but what bothers me the most is seeing Newt and her parents, because I prefer Newt being a mysterious character. Oh, God, right. We're not-
0: God, we're going to get... This is loads... This is why. You know, strap <laughs> yourself in, listeners, watchers, viewers, whatever. We're going to have a great time with this, because we've got a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff as well. We're not just going to be repeating things that I think you've already heard on other podcasts, and believe me, I've listened to a lot of Aliens podcasts, so that's probably quite qualified. My score—I wanted to spinal tap it. I wanted to turn it up to eleven. I wanted to give this eleven if I if I possibly could. It's it's the it's the perfect. If you describe the film to me, it is the perfect version of the film that you just described. If you said we're going to do a sequel to Alien, whoa, 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 hey, hang on, Ridley Scott's classic Alien well not sure you can it ends well, that's it you know everybody's died you know the you know the aliens died and no 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 we've got a great great idea we've gotta pitch it so there's a problem there um fast forward into the future and we're gonna send some aliens down there uh, yeah all right then okay and then they make the film you're right Joe in a sea of absolute horse manure that's released that classified that tries to call itself good cinema i mean the oscars were long, lost a long time ago as anything that you would actually pick out there and go i'd watch it apart from they keep telling me parasites i do have it to watch i haven't watched it this is where dom nods and goes oh yeah parasites parasites brilliant um and possibly joe if you've seen it but it's more like that the Oscars you, you go back and look at the Oscars and I'm going to make a point here because I'm going to get to the point quickly the Oscars should be reflective of of I think things that are artistic well made grounded not trying to sell you a message not trying to do all of that and you look at some of the Oscars and days got by and go well I wonder how that film didn't make it because that was really good why is Top Gun not on there why is Ghostbusters not on there well, because the Oscars has a reverence for, for good filmmaking, this is good filmmaking, despite the fact that I have a problem with James Cameron, the the later James Cameron and the the earlier one, the earlier James Cameron, that is some CV, and I hate to say it, it isn't a long CV. James Cameron's movies, he's not done a lot, but what he's done, my goodness, has been incredible. So. It's, it's a 10, because I, I could, after this podcast, go downstairs and watch it all over again and have a big smile on my face, despite the fact I finished it off this morning. Um, It's that type of film. I just enjoy it. We'll get to the director's cut. In fact, before we go to roll call, let's get into the director's cut. So,
1: Well, first of all, it's called uh, a special edition. Wow. Well, Is that a director's cut? I mean, did he supervise it or was it just a studio that put the deleted scenes in there
0: well i i i don't know because there's been um talk of him releasing the abyss on 4k and he's want to personally oversee the 4k um restoration of it Uh, and he's been very particular about that i know that alien aliens alien 3 and alien resurrection are coming out next year not hitting any particular anniversary. It, they're just coming out next year. I think he's going to have to do the same for that. Um, We'll get the answer to that, I, I would say probably then. But, you know, with the things that, are, you know, there is there is some very minor things that are put in and there's some major things. So for people that have watched a, Aliens, um presumably maybe at the cinema and haven't, haven't revisited for a while, certainly if you go onto Netflix, if it's on there, or Amazon, you won't find the special edition. As I'll call it now, Joe, um, the special edition. But you'll just get the theatrical version. What the special edition does is add some very poignant things. I don't know if we want to go around the table on this, rather than me just read them out. Were there any things that were added that we that you were particularly impressed with? I do have a you know a, a, a list of some of the things that were.
2: Well, before we dive in, I, I didn't get the memo, and I watched the theatrical version for this pod. Oh, okay. And, and I think Joe's point earlier was correct like for example as i'm aware of some of what's in the Mm. um extended edition but i think the way that newt is introduced uh, which i think is quite effective and almost shocking certainly the first time you see she looks like a refugee from a war, which I suppose she is, you know, with her hair in the sewer, um, reminiscent of that Star Wars scene, you know, hanging around in the garbage um, area and things. I, I, I thought I'd rather see her like that abruptly, as opposed to the backstory, which I think is left, less left to the imagination. You know, when Ripley's interrogating her about, do you have a brother, where are your parents? And she says that they're dead. You know, I, I think that's effective and shocking. And by, mm. sometimes brevity is, is effective. So that, that would be my, my commenter despite rating it as a 10 out of 10 and one of my favourite films, I actually quite like seeing it as it was released in the theatres, as opposed to the extended edition. I'd watch it out of curiosity, but not because I would see it as being definitive. So that, that's my 2 pen. Okay, film. yeah, yeah. So go on, uh, you, Charlie, you, you tell me what, what's...
0: what's. Well, first first of all, when she's waiting for the tribunal, uh, Bert comes in and tells her that um, her daughter's passed away. Um and passed away two years before she got found so obviously she had this 57 years um and the photo that they give her a photo and she's crying you know she's emotional over the photo that photo trivia fans is a picture of her mom um Sigourney with his mom at the time which is why it looks so you know similar um but it, it it i think that introduces the sense of loss that she hasn't seen her you know child grow up because she hasn't been there and that gives it more of a connection to you, because you see that and in mm. the same way I think showing a, a colony of kids riding around on like tricycles and people talking to each other and these corridors when you go back and see them when they're all rainy infested you know populated and stuff and all run down it does give you that connection back to to that. I, I might I, I get the idea actually, and I, I I would warm to the idea of not knowing a lot more about you because you can see, you can see it. But they don't spend a lot of time on it. It's very much quickly get in the van, let's go and investigate this. The beauty of seeing the you know, the the arm the yeah, the arm of the alien spaceship, and you're like whoa! Don't go in there. And they're like no no no, we're just gonna just gonna go and have a look, and then. Seeing her dad, her mum comes in, bursts open the door, and "Mayday, Mayday!" and seeing her dad on the floor with a face hooker on, that is quite, I it's quite visceral, um, and explains explains when we get to New. Blimey, she's still there.
1: I, I think it's good for aliens fans, like if they want to see a, a different edition, you know, more a, a extended edition, like they use that word too. Hmm. But for me, I, I still prefer seeing the theatrical although i will say i think that that scene with ripley and her daughter was was very well done and yeah. i kind of think too that uh you know it, it kind of mirrors her like you said her relationship with newt like she lost her daughter by just by seeing her by two years and that's a loss that she has to deal with and now yeah. it's almost like she's a, a, like a a mother to newt now and uh, that that kind of ties yeah. i i didn't like that scene where she's demoted you know it, it's a typical 80s type of scene where it's like you know you know the person was a hero and they're like well maybe you imagined the whole thing you know yeah. but just in case we're going to demote you it's like she's been through enough as it is we don't need to see her get demoted and, and nobody mm. believe her you know
0: yeah absolutely um, just going through the other the other changes, um, there's a bit where they when they first get in um, and they're look at looking around, they pick up a... The motion tracker goes off and there's a bit of tension there. They open the door and then they find out that it's a hamster in a cage. Um, so it's a little bit of a light relief on that, that, that it's not actually the alien. Um, I'll leave the best till last. I think I like the fact that we've... We have that scene where she goes back in to rescue New, and Hicks goes um, B- Bishop, don't go anywhere because no, 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 And Hicks goes no, 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 he's not going anywhere. He says, uh, she says, see you, Hicks, and which she replies, Dwayne, my first name's Dwayne, and she goes, Ellen, and you kind of like have that bit because there's so many dynamics of things going on here. And again, well, I think we'll get to that after roll call. That 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 is quite a good one. But oh my goodness. How can you watch the how can you watch the theatrical version knowing that the robot sentries are not in are the reason why they come in through the roof? Because otherwise it makes no sense whatsoever why they come in through the roof. You you, you are left with thinking, oh they figured it out themselves. Oh let's not go through the door because that might be a bit too obvious. No, no, no. They attack one way, they attack the other. They the, the, the fail, and then so they come in through the roof. The robot sentries are just br- brilliant. The tension of those counters going down and the sound of those counters going down
1: m- makes that. All right. So here's where I'm going to disagree with you. Right. Uh, first of all, those sentries, I think they are wasted because you really didn't see them. You just you you're watching Hicks see the uh, ammunition. Am, am, uh, ammunition go down
0: and the video Uh, it just flashes everywhere
1: yeah but you didn't see them you briefly saw them like maybe kill an alien or two yeah you know which again it's kind of like the whole jaws thing it's like not having to see something is, is you know your imagination is probably far worse than what you think is behind that door than what is actually behind that door. So I just don't think that that scene was necessary. And as far as you saying that they couldn't get through the door because of the sentries and that they went, I, I always thought that the whole thing was, was that the door was impenetrable, uh, like they couldn't get through it. So they just realized that the, the roof or, you know, of that room was, or the ceiling was a lot less armored so yeah. that they could just dig their way through it. That's how I always saw it
0: okay well I think once you've seen it, it it'd be weird to go back now and and watch the other version because you're kind of like well I know there's a better version that exists it's like having your favourite Blade Runner pick one out of five on that's those true. <laughs> and if you go back and watch it you go oh no no no, why have you got this one on Netflix it's the one without Harrison Ford narrating. you're like yeah well that's my favourite says somebody else in the real right let's do Roll Call because we will be here all day um let's just keep it as roll call here we go roll call so I now have a feeling that Dom has a lot of Oscar traps <clears throat> maybe Oscar Bantz Oscar Bantz right yeah. I see okay
2: we so, still got our little theme tune then
0: though. No, no no no, no we, I'll get you one I'll, I will, the same person that wrote our jingles will get to write if you want to call it Oscar Bantz then that's what <laughs> we'll do
2: that's fine. <laughs> you just <should laughs> need to disguise the contempt in your voice for that, for that phrase. I, I, I
0: genuinely like it. Seriously, I, I do think like Oscar
1: to Brians too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so I did think your um, chat about the Academy Awards earlier was interesting. And do they reflect the so-called best film versus the? Versus I know who, who lost. Film? I know who
0: she lost to. So I do. I know that one.
2: Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. So that's so the only. Might... That's the
0: only one. I didn't read up because I knew you might do this.
2: 1987 Best Actress Oscar.
0: So Sigourney Weaver was
2: indeed duly nominated for Aliens, and a you know quite a radical departure for the um, for the ceremony at that time. And she was up against Kathleen Turner, Peggy Sue got married, Sissy Spacek, Crimes of the Heart, Definitely jen best. Fonda, The Morning After, and the Widow, as you know, Charlie, Marley Matlin, Children of a Lesser God.
0: Mm.
2: Now. 1997 was a bumpy year for films, but perhaps not um, strong performances by a leading actress, because there's only one of those, I think, which is widely remembered, um, and that would be Sigourney Weaver's performance. Mm. Is anyone going to stick their hand up for any of the others? Uh, Peggy Sue Got married. Crams the Heart, so i perhaps remember the films, but Kathleen Turner, Sissy Spacek, Jane Fonda, Marley Maitland.
0: Definitely not. The Jane Fonda film, The Morning After, uh, she wakes up and she's committed a crime she's she allegedly committed a murder forgettable, like most Jane Fonda films unfortunately um, I, I can make a very decent case for Peggy Sue Got Married because I do like that I kind of, you know you get back to, back to the future-ish with Nick Cage what's not to like um, you know, there's a there's a nice uh, there's a nice bit in there, it makes me think that Amy should go and watch that now uh, watch that with uh, introduce her to Nick Cage steadily You know, like that way. Um, Children of the Lesser God was, like most things that win at the Oscars, overrated. It's like Forrest Gump. Overrated.
1: Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of Oscar voters now, is they go for the sympathetic crap. So, like, you know, if you want to win an Oscar and you haven't won an Oscar, you either make a movie about the Holocaust, or you have someone that's mentally handicapped or physically handicapped, or is... uh, you know, dying of uh, an incurable disease, and it, it suckers the voters into voting them all the time. I kind of wonder if they cheat, <laughs> you know, like and they tell each other, It's like, Who are you voting for? You know, and it's like, Yeah, let's vote for that girl because she really was deaf, you know. So she's got enough hardship as it is, we might as well give her the Oscar. But she did not deserve it over Sigourney Weaver. No way, it, it is sad, but it's like, What are you going to do? What is Sigourney Weaver? She's a a very graceful actress, too. She's not going to come out and say, I was robbed, you know, but she was robbed, basically. She,
2: yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. Forrest Gump, as being an example of, but for, for me, that was a, an exception where a popular blockbuster film did indeed win the, the Oscar. So that's perhaps a well, perhaps that's an aside. I you have got feelings about uh, that film and indeed the lead. I have
0: very
1: few feelings about it, to be
0: fair.
2: <laughs> okay. Some controversial feelings, but we'll, we'll save that for a future podcast. But, but I, I
1: can just tell you right now, Brendan Fraser is going to win for this year for the Whale. Yes, and it's a dreadful film, according to two of the movie videos. But it's all because it's like, oh, look at him! He looks so sad. He put on so much weight for the role, you know. And I haven't seen it, and maybe he does give a good performance. But I think that probably the majority of the voters are going to vote for him because he's super obese, you know. And that's not and this how is you. Should... Fra- and
0: this is Brendan Fraser from The Mummy and George of the Jungle. Yeah, you know the things that you wouldn't have even stepped on. Uh, back yeah. when he was making them. But yeah, all right, okay. All right, you Before you
2: undermine uh, Austin <laughs> I, I do feel for completeness, I should mention that it did get nominated for Best Original Score. Um, that, James Warner, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But,
0: but amazing. Wrote it in two weeks. Yeah, it wrote, it in two, wrote it and recorded it in
1: two weeks. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah it didn't, didn't win, though. Interesting. Star Trek um, 4 got nominated in the same year as well, but it got Round of Midnight, Herbie Hancock, uh, your guess is as good as mine, uh, won the best original score. But Scarlett Weaver did indeed get nominated again in the future, um, and she achieved a rare double of being nominated f- in the same year for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. So 1989, Gorillas in the Mist, yes. uh, Best Actress. She lost out to Jodie Foster for The
0: Accused. How was today? Not- day? Best- uh,
2: yeah. Can I
0: guess the other one? Can I what guess the-, the
2: other one? Yeah, go on then. Working yeah. Girl? Yeah, yeah. Best Supporting Actress for Working Girl, where she lost out to Gina Davis for The Accidental Tourist. Yeah, but so Gina
0: Davis is good in that film. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think Gina probably could
2: the accused. is fair enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: So that's it. That's that's now you have to imagine, listeners, the empty in the the out music for Oscar bands. That's it. I,
0: I think we'll have we'll have a, a theme, but we'll have it with very orchestral going in and out. Yeah, like that.
2: I think, I'll wear a dinner jacket next time when we. When you do
0: that one, yeah, yeah, you could read out the um, the wrong best supporting uh, actress, like Jack Pallant. Perhaps, perhaps
2: I'll try and slap you virtually <laughs> through the
0: screen. Yeah? Is that true, by the way? Is that one of those? Is that did Jack Palance read out the wrong actress? Did he give best supporting actress to Mira Savino for My Cousin Vinny? Oh, I
2: don't, I don't you've, know. Heard, I you've I heard about this? Land where they, they think win. he
0: just he just opened the card, read it, and it was so unlikely that she would win best sports actress
1: yeah, no one knows for sure i no. mean everybody has their theory but yeah if you look at her performance compared to the other ones that were nominated she didn't deserve it no. you know so you you do i kind of feel that that was the case but we'll probably never know this is like the kennedy files like where they <laughs> just buried them see that the host of oscar Bants didn't even know that bit of bantz see Ugh.
0: Yeah, never mind work we'll it in 2023 we'll get the we'll get the jingle um, but yes I do enjoy that and I was looking forward to it and delivered speaking of Sigourney Weaver what do we do? I mean I think this is her best role other roles obviously Working Girl we talked on Ghostbusters um one two the remake and Afterlife never want to miss a Ghostbusters uh opportunity all concerned that were that were from the original that were in the remake, hang your heads thoroughly in shame. It is one of the worst films I've, I saw in that year, that decade. Never mind year. Um, she starred in Dave. Don't do remember Dave. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know that one, Tom? I, I
2: know it. I don't remember it well, but I'm aware. It. I, I remember you watching it.
0: Yeah. So. All uh, oh, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had my wall of videos. I had the video stuff there. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, Kevin Klein um, uh, is the president. Uh, what does he suffer some illness or or he, he has a problem? So they draft in this guy that's the exact same exact lookalike from him and say, "You need to be president. You need to keep the keep the thing going." Um, and Sigourney Weaver plays his wife. Um, it, needless to say, she goes. But well, at the end, I knew all the time. Um, she was the voice of the ship's computer in Wally. Uh, she was in Galaxy Quest, of course, and the quite abysmal, and I know we uh, disagree on this, Joe, but the quite abysmal and highly overrated Avatar. And yes, she's probably in the next I, I didn't four like the
1: Avatar. Yeah. Um, what was that movie that she was in with Jennifer Love Hewitt? And uh, Oh, I didn't write it down. The both of them were so hot in that movie, <laughs> and they were playing like mother and daughter. Gene Hackman was in it. Uh, oh, okay. Anyway, it, it was—it's uh, a fun movie.
0: Anything with Jennifer Love Hewitt was worth watching, but y- yeah, <laughs> we'll just leave. I it think at that. I think Dom's on the case. Um, but uh, while we're waiting for that, Michael Bean. So uh, let's go. Where do we want to start?
1: Uh, Tombstone. Yeah. Well, you can take it from here because I know there's a bunch of Cameron stuff in there
0: well of course he was in the Terminator it's Carl Reese in the Terminator um then this then comes back for the Abyss where he plays uh Hicks but with a um severe psychological uh, uh deficiency um uh Navy Seals not that he's been typecast at any time Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen yay big shout out for Navy Seals um Tombstone The Rock uh, he was in Planet Terror he was also in The Mandalorian um, I didn't didn't pick up which one he is but he's credits he's got a credit on The Mandalorian
1: yeah, I remember when he was in it it must not have been that good because right. I don't remember his performance
0: see I got told so I went to a, um, a Comic Con uh, one in Wales no no not glitzy like San Diego or anything like that um but the, one of the guys that gave us a lift home was one of the sort of bouncers that looks after the stars there. My mate went to see Kiefer Sutherland, paid 200 quid just to have a photo of Kiefer Sutherland. I'm like... Anyway, so he did that. And on the way back, the guy went, Michael Bean is a white... I mean, I can say it, arsehole. He said he's not very... Uh, he gets drunk the night before, he turns up, he's not ready. You then know, had to get him, get him into the, you know, into shape so that he can meet the fans. He's stinking of alcohol and stuff like this. I don't know if that's true. It was just one person's word, but I mean, that's what that's what he said. And and I kind of felt a bit sad with him telling me that because if it is true, I was like, I, I would never see him as that kind of person.
1: Um, said, uh, I, I've heard that too. Um, oh, okay, well. He's, a bit he's not the, though, the nicest mean. person, but that might make sense for why he didn't have much of a career. You know, after all his Cameron stuff, you know? Like, he kind of fell out of existence.
0: Yeah. And then comes back and, oh, look, it's the, that guy from Aliens is in The Rock. Not for long, by the way, but... Yeah, maybe. Because you, you look at the filmography and it just tails off. Mm. And it could be because he's not... Um, any any favourites in that one, Don? Prefer preferring in... in uh, I mean, I know we talk about the film as being... I mean, I'm yeah, going to pretend Joe gave it a yeah. 10, but yeah, go on. Uh,
2: Terminator and Abyss are a classics. So you, yeah. You're right, not on the rock for very long, but that that's a brilliant film as well. So, uh, no, he, he, yeah, you're right. His career did tail off, but he had a good 10 year stretch where he did uh, quite a, quite a number of excellent films.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think he's good
2: in this. I think, I think he's a strong performer. Oh, yeah. you know. We'll, we'll get into the critique of the film later, but um, I, I think he's a, an excellent actor in this, In this brings a lot to the role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carrie Henn, so if you go and watch the um, Netflix series, the movies that made us, she is grown up and she's part of the Talking Heads, people that are interviewed. Um, she screams a lot in this film. So that scream is iconic. You can hear that scream and you know, oh yeah, that's Newt from Aliens. She um, only did one other other film. That's it. She did this one and a film called Thunder Island in 2020. Uh, that's it, didn't do anything else um i think she's in property uh but yeah she comes across as really you know respectful Loved, loved the um uh being looked after everyone was like looking after her making sure that she was all right um so yeah she's one of many anglo-american uh parts of this film obviously filmed
2: in the uk she was although she's an american Child, she was they picked her up at a school in England. Um, you know, I think her father was in the army or the air force or something similar to that. Uh, so yeah, it's one of a number of links, and we'll get onto some of the rest of the ensemble cast later on, who were who were in fact British uh, as well. So yeah, but. I think I think what's interesting about the casting in this film is there's a number of career highlights here. You know, either they didn't go on to do anything bigger and better, so this was their highlight, or like Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean, Bain, is that he pronounce it, and, you know, this was the, the pinnacle of their career.
0: He probably gets fed up with being called Mister Bean, but <laughs> yeah. You know. um, Paul Reiser. Now, I have to make a confession. I love Paul Reiser from my two dads the very very well I'd like to say popular Joe was it popular
1: uh groundbreaking it wasn't too much in, no it wasn't groundbreaking but you know <laughs> it was on TV that's all I'll say and <laughs> back in the 80s you were forced to watch whatever they had on like five channels you
0: know oh, well I, I loved it Paul Rice was great in that um, obviously mad about you as well uh, that was that was big no, I, just I, go. no. I, I'm
2: going to come out and say it if, if I was going to dock any points for this film and turn it into a nine and a half or a nine out of ten I, I think this would be the case for the prosecution would be here I think wow. he's in this film I don't, I don't think he's uh, I agree effective and he's wandered in off a rom-com um, and I'm not surprised to hear that he's got a rich uh, career in, in romantic comedies and kind of television fluff because I just thought he was miscast, he lacked the kind of threat and uh, charisma to do what he does in the film to Ripley and to Newt, and um, yeah, I thought it was uh, a, bit, a bit of a clunky uh, addition to the cast. The only, oh. the only one I thought who was miscast. He plays a, he plays a slimy s- sleazebag, it's great. He's not slimy enough though, that's the thing, he's too too affable, too likeable, I think.
1: Yeah, oh. it's kind of like, uh, who's that guy in Ghostbusters we were just talking about recently? Um, you know, that uh, he opened up the, the containment.
0: Oh, uh, uh, um, Walter Peck.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: um, William Atherton. Yeah,
1: I would have liked to have seen him maybe in the role, you know? Kind of like at first, you know, be nice to Ripley and kind of like smoother over and then become a jerk later, you know? But who yeah, knows if that would have worked. He
2: would have been much better casting, I agree. Yeah, yeah but we would
0: have known much. that. We would have gone... You went from, like, sleazebag to... To sleep back in Ghostbusters. Oh, I wonder if he's going to do the same thing here. If you cast somebody that's like all ghost and lovable, then it's going to be a big thing when he switches because you're going to be like, Whoa, 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 I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, see, I can make a case for the defense. It, you know, it's also
1: know. weird, too. Uh, he was a TV star, polarizer, and a comedian for him to make the jump to a theatrical one. So that kind of stuck out.
0: Yeah. Well, you have Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, of course. He's Actifoli's, uh partner, as such, if you call it that. Um, again, had a spell where he did nothing for a long time, um, but then popped up again in Red Oaks, which I highly recommend on uh, Amazon Prime. It's a very good series. all set in the 80s uh, at a golf club. So a bit of Caddy Track vibes in there as well. Um, the Kaminsky Method, uh, Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas. Uh, of course later stranger things and two sitcoms uh, and sorry a sitcom i'm watching at the moment called reboot which is uh that's all right it's pretty good he's the best thing in it um and of course he was in the boys so yeah he's doing quite well
1: yeah, yeah he was in whiplash too that, that that was a great movie
0: of course yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so yeah paul riser I, I i like him I was a fan before uh, so it was, it was good to see him in the um, on to Bill Paxton, uh, who we sadly lost in 2017. Wow! Anyone want to uh, pick their? Well, it's, it's, it, there's a list. I mean, you can guess them, but I guess you go by favorite. Bill Paxton. I, I have a, I have a favorite. I do um, too. Bill Paxton film, and it's not one that probably resonates with everyone else, but it's still my favorite. I'll go nice. last.
2: my favourite one that isn't Aliens would be Apollo 13
0: ooh Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah yeah
1: Uh, because it's
0: yeah it's him Tom Hanks and Kevin Bacon
1: isn't it yeah right I forgot about that um I I would say Edge of Tomorrow okay yeah yeah but he plays kind of of like the drill instructor um (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah, I thought he was great in that movie. But he's, he's done a lot of really good performances. Oh, he has. Well.
2: I, I, go on, let me guess. Let me guess yours.
0: Go on. Is, it, is it Twister? It is Twister. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> because when I, when I met you, I had Twister on... Um, in fact, I got Twister on DVD <laughs> when, when they first came out. You yeah, yeah,
2: I, I remember, really
0: loved that film. Yeah, absolutely. What's not to love? And then I went to Disney and went on the ride. Uh, sorry, not Disney no, uh, Universal. Yeah, I, I went on there too. Yeah, and it was all right. I mean, you've got flying cows, you know, that's so what's what you want from a ride. I did like it. Um, no, well, right, okay, well, let's go through them. Uh, he was the, the punk leader in Terminator. I need your clothes. What's he saying? I need your clothes and your... What was his line? (laughs) Those are your boots. Anyway, it's Bill Paxton with a a Mohican. Um, Near Dark, which he shares with Lance Henriksen as well. Near Dark, vampire film of the 80s. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very good. Uh, He pops up again in Navy Seals. Um, So it's a a nice big uh, alien reunion. Uh, He was in the critically underrated... Predator 2 um, he was also in Tombstone again Apollo 13, Twister he was in Titanic uh, Thunderbirds uh, he had his own TV series Big Love and Edge of Tomorrow, those are the ones that I picked out but yeah uh, he James Cameron brings him back for Titanic um, and we'll talk about James Cameron in a, in a moment Uh Lanson Rickson anyone?
1: No? He was. He was in that sci-fi TV show, uh, which I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you? Do you know uh, what I'm talking I haven't about? I've got it
2: written down. No. Was
0: it? Uh, was X Files? Was, um, was it? I don't think it was. I do it was, only it was one episode. That's why I didn't put it in there.
1: Um, no. It was, uh, well, I'll look for it. But uh, yeah. Anyone what else? Was... <laughs> okay.
2: When I looked into his career, I was surprised he hadn't been in more things. I thought he was pretty effective in Aliens. And um, yeah, he has done bits and pieces, um, but nothing. He was in
0: James Cameron's first film, first directed film. He was in Piranha 2.
1: Oh, I didn't even know. Flying Piranha.
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah. That was his first film. It's very good. If you can go back and watch the. Again, I think it's a documentary. I think this one's on Amazon. Um, about his rise to fame. In fact, no, I think it's in the Aliens one because it shows him how he became a director. Um, it was due, all due to Roger Corman not having anyone else available. So they got the guy that d- designed some of the uh, sets um, and said, yeah, do you fancy making this film? Because we've got a gap. Um, and then he made it. Uh, he then went on to do Terminator. Uh, sorry. Then went on to do Terminator. As did Lance Rickson. Who joined him he's one of the police um, police officers in Terminator then he appears in jagged Edge uh, Glenn Close and Dennis Quaid. Uh, he's in Neil dark uh, near dark as well uh, he played Bowser in Super Mario Brothers no we don't talk about that just wait for the cartoon one that's coming out the animated one that's coming out next year uh, it was in the quick and dead quick and the Dead with Sharon Stone but he was also in the subsequent alien films he turned up again in alien 3 sorry spoiler alert um he turns up in alien versus predator yeah um he's voiced the character many times in in different video games um i i genuinely like him i think he's good i think he's good to watch i look i look forward to when he's when he's on the screen um
2: yeah, I, I agree. I think if you said to somebody that, you know, there are going to be two big stars from this film, I think everyone would call Sigourney Weaver from her performance, but would Bill Paxton be the one that you'd you'd guess? Because I think um, Lance Henriksen can make a case for him. I think um, Jeanette Goldstein, who we'll get on to, plays Vac- Vasquez as well. And even Pone, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, the drill sergeant. Um, you know, he, I think he gives a great performance. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just surprised none of those three had big subsequent careers than they actually did. And, you yeah. know, all credit to Bill Paxton
0: who who obviously sees the
2: mantle
0: yeah absolutely I'd stop that roll call because so we can talk about um, we can talk about the others we talk about um, uh, Drake is it Vasquez and Drake Uh, the two with the uh, enormous guns Uh, because they were both in Lethal Weapon 3 uh, Lethal Weapon 2 so we'd already Hmm. talked about them and of course, she's famously John the T one thousand. Well, she's John Connor's foster mother in Terminator two. Um, I didn't really have a lot for the others, so if anyone's got anything else, fire away.
1: No, I just uh, I looked, and it's the, the TV show is called Millennium.
0: Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That rings a bell. And, and for
2: completeness, that's Sigourney Weaver and um, Jennifer Love Hewitt thing was called Heartbreakers.
1: Oh yeah,
0: Heartbreakers. Right. Yes.
2: So, so not so much on the, the, the subsequent film career of some of the other actors in here but there were a couple of things i thought were interesting so uh the actress that played vasquez is called jeanette goldstein and as that implies she wasn't of mexican heritage she was kind of an um, east coast jewish heritage i think so um she had to uh, wear dark contact lenses had to undergo makeup for an hour to darken her skin to portray a, a latina um, actress in this and uh, she hadn't been working uh, as she know much of a career before this film which is why she was so buff and gym ready because she spent all the time in the gym uh getting getting ready for this film so well just or just keeping herself occupied um so that was an interesting piece of casting and then there were two british blokes who were in this as well um crow and uh, butcher the pronunciation wabowski is that is that it um, <laughs> yeah. But, um yeah so the guy that played uh Wabowski was uh, a stuntman um, who died, uh, oh no, sorry, I'm getting mixed up, Crow was a stuntman who was in the SAS and uh, died in a parachuting accident at the age of 34, making the BBC documentary 999, Charlie, if you remember that. Oh,
0: wow, yeah.
2: So died, died young. Um, and then the other one, Robowski, was, um, was played by Trevor Stedman, was also a um, ex kind of military um, British actor, and indeed a, a number of them was a PO. Name was fought in Vietnam. I think was kind of fairly highly decorated in that conflict, and that probably brought some credibility to the role for some of the less prominent characters. I think you know, the way they handle themselves in those situations, their weapons
0: training—I'm sure all came in. Easy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. I mean, as, you know, the, the camaraderie between them. I think it's one of the most famous pieces of trivia that some people might know. Is that the scene where they meet Ripley for the first time, and that you know they're that they're all together. Is just a bug hunt. That scene um, they filmed that last. That's that was one of the very final scenes they filmed because they wanted them to all have that camaraderie of all been through that already, and to appear like they're an outfit that 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 talk to each other. Um, I think if we have done roll call, it's probably a good idea. I'll I'll just name the films that James Cameron did. Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2, True Lies, Titanic, then Avatar. And it's like, mic drop, I'm out. All good films. All of them good films, apart from Avatar and Titanic. So, I think it stops after True Lies.
2: Well, Titanic might not be everyone's cup of tea. I'm not just saying I'd sit down to watch it, but I think it is a good film in the sense of good, epic, spectacular film. Uh,
0: if it was on TV and it was halfway through, would you, would you keep it on?
2: Um, no. As a grown man watching it by myself, I wouldn't. But I could, <laughs> admire, I could, admire, I could admire films that aren't necessarily specifically written for me. Um, so I think it's a film that I would admire rather than like, let's put it that way.
1: I don't know, I just give the guy credit cuz like even I know you didn't like Avatar and Titanic he somehow gets the audience to keep coming back to see his movies like after the release and that's why Titanic was so successful it was in the theaters for months and that hadn't happened in years it's just that some audience members just felt you know something towards that movie where they had to see it re- repeated times. I mean, I, I've i heard girls have seen it 10 times in theaters. Uh, well, then again, Charlie could talk about seeing movies multiple yeah, times. In I, saw,
0: I saw JFK nine times because uh, JFK has watchability. Titanic, somebody went back to see it again. <laughs> what? What did you think you missed? The
1: well, ship it's, sinks. The, it's the love story. I think it's, you know, love it's story. basically. But that's what the I, I think a lot of the uh, the girls that I'd, were going back to see it was for the love story it just it touched them and it's didn't. not a
0: love story we, we know this now she, ab- she actually let him drown
1: <laughs> and, and there's the same thing with avatar it's like avatar i didn't get that either you know it, it wasn't very original but for some reason he got the uh i would say the asian audience just went crazy for that movie uh they've seen it over and over and over again and uh i know i've said this before but they i read stories that people had to go to therapy when it was taken out of theaters because they missed the world of pandora so much um and it's the new one is doing great too i mean it's not doing
0: the numbers that it needs to
1: it made over a billion in like less than three weeks i think um and again, it's the it's the uh, European, the non-North American audience that's driving the success of this movie. So we'll see. I don't know if it'll hit 2 billion, but... I, I think um, these,
2: are all, these are all feathers in his cap, though. He's versatile. He's not just an action director. Um, you know, he's a great storyteller, I think. And the fact that he can appeal to diverse audiences, films that smash it in Asia and Europe, uh, and perhaps underperform in North America, I think that's... Interesting. I mean, Joe made a case for him being the, the, the best director earlier. He, I mean, objectively, he must be the most successful director, I would think, in terms of his box office returns and the profits that he's made for the studios. You know, those films you list earlier, Charlie. Again, Titanic, Love it or Loathe It is, was a phenomenon at the box office. Avatar has you know, two yeah. massive returns up there as well. So critically acclaimed, highly profitable, um, um, and doesn't just direct, you know. Plays an active role in actually writing the, the things. He's a talented guy,
0: and, and he's and he's also. I, I, this is where I have to give him the the sort of the earlier Cameron. I only don't like two two out of the films he's done. The rest of them, the rest of them, you can make a case for the, all of them being classics, in the sense of, you know, the Abyss, the the groundbreaking underwater photography and things that he built for everyone and got them trained and got them. You know, the, I mean I, I saw a documentary on the making of the Abyss and it is, well just knock your socks off, the stuff that they all had to go through, you know everything is just incredible and and he wanted it for perfection because he wanted it to be absolutely real T2, Terminator 2 speaks for itself I mean it's, it's, you know when they talk about greatest sequels they do talk about aliens and Terminator 2 and then they go to Godfather Part 2 and they not Ghostbusters 2 but they they they, they go. They, they usually have those two together because both of them are great sequels and you're right Dom there's cases to be made whether or not they are better than the originals I think in Terminator 2 it probably is better slightly better um, but it doesn't take anything away from Terminator but true lies he, he builds a bridge a huge concrete bridge in the Florida Keys Just to blow it up, and I just think, do you know what? That's what we're missing now. That that all of that would have done with CGI. And yeah, you would have. Oh yeah. Ooh, wow. Ooh. At the time, we didn't have it. You look at the CGI in this film. A bit of it's quite a lot of it's ropey, especially the bit at the top where everything's blowing up behind Ripley. Hide your eyes, and then Bishop comes to pick her up. That looks bad. God knows how they're going to rectify it in 4K. Because that's going to be a hell of a problem. I, to I don't try and know fix. if there
1: was CGI in this movie. I think it was
0: all it was a, it was a sex. screen behind. It was a screen behind because it wasn't really a huge structure, you know, with explosions going off in the background. You can tell she was standing in front of a green screen, and it wasn't a very good one as well. Doesn't take any again. Doesn't take anything away because a lot of the things they did with the ships, with miniatures, that is a piece of trivia because they went, "Why have you spent so much on special effects?" And they went, ah, ha, ha. We haven't. We've just been very clever in what we've done." Because this film cost fifteen million to make, and it got back, it made one hundred eighty six. I think one hundred eighty six million. So, yeah, I, the guy. I, I love the fact that I miss, like you said, Joe. I miss old style movie making. I miss. We need a bridge. We need to blow it up. How are we going to do it? We do it in miniatures. No, no, no. Let's build one. Let's build a stretch, a two mile. I think it was two mile stretch. Ridiculous. Just so that he can blow it up. The environmentalist must love him. But still, yeah. never mind. Uh so yeah. Uh but um as I say, true true lies. Gets a gets a cracking um it gets a great performance out of Bill Paxton. It gets a wonderful performance out of Arnold Schwarzenegger, which you just think he's not one trick pony. He can actually pull this off. And of course Jamie Lee Curtis, our favourite Dom yep absolutely yep absolutely um so yeah there we go but he's he said now james cameron said that's it i'm just making avatar films from now on and he's got three four and five ready for release ready for guys they just spend 15 hours watching a film about blue people i don't care how involving it is seriously what next does because the sky people attack the 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 ground people so the ground people have to go to the water people sooner or later you're going to run out of elements and then this film is going to fall flat on its face no, we, we definitely...
1: Sorry, go ahead, Dan.
2: I was just going to say, I do think there's a gap in the market for a uh, top-quality director now. You talk, we're talking about um, Cameron, rightly so, heralding his back catalogue. Uh, I was thinking, who, who could rival him? If, it, if he's not the greatest director of recent times, who would be better? And the only one I could think of would be Scorsese. But he's now well into his 80s, isn't he? And uh, you know, I think the quality has dipped a bit recently. So there's probably an opening for some, some new director. Tantino,
0: uh, not so sure. Say anything almost famous. Yes. Almost famous is perfect. I
2: think think we're overdue a bit of a shake up in the uh, directorial markets, actually, that kind of top end. Yeah. The the path's clear for some new trailblazer to emerge.
1: No, I I was going to say we definitely didn't need an avatar sequel, but he think he loves that world for some reason. Uh, And I, I would have so much preferred him just to do like, Four or five other movies with original ideas that he had in mind, instead of visiting this world over and over again. But it's, it's, Charlie, you're right. It's kind of hard to go through five movies that are around three hours long, where you're going to be fully invested in it. Um, and you know, and you could say, "Well, what about Star Wars?" Like, but yeah, Avatar is not Star Wars. I mean, it's 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 good at times, and then it's not very original at times but i don't know uh you know it's unfortunate that he loves this world because damn i would love to see him make another aliens movie like i said yeah. i would love to see him do a star wars movie a terminator uh, follow up yeah a terminator movie uh, a true lies sequel anything you know um but he doesn't care and you can tell he doesn't care like when people call him out that for cultural appropriation, <laughs> you know, he just doesn't give a damn because he's he's sitting on a big pile of money. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well let's go into the film. I don't think we I think mm-hmm. everybody knows the plot. So we don't need to like go through it like chronologically, but um I, I just want to open it up probably with with after having said that a scene from the start. Um I, I do like the bit that what I think I like the reason, another reason why I like this film is the consistency and the callbacks. That when they when they find her in space and the the the, the robots cutting through, and it falls down, the grappling hook is still there, lodged in the door underneath. You know that's something that most filmmakers would just miss and just go, oh, it's fine. No, 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 she trapped it in. That's how that's how she she beat the alien in in the original film. That's, and it's still there I, I love little little consistency bits like that
2: yeah but on that point that's why alien 3 was such a travesty um because you know the the second one paid homage to the first and you know the attention to detail alien 3 just kills off the surviving characters in the blink of an eye
0: doesn't it, um, it, it yeah all consistent. those things that you're invested in that you loved they're gone right yeah so within it doesn't even make the end of the credits opening credits they're all gone all oh, right. Okay. Well, where do we go now? I I I have soft spot for Alien Three. I I shouldn't, because it doesn't really work. But it kind of does. Probably because there's lots of Brits in there. I probably because it has Brian Glover in there. He's so. he's brilliant. But the the bit I was going to mention is that um, again it's a it's a. I was about to say director's cut it's a special edition edition scene is where he comes in and he goes yeah I hope you prep for the tribunal I hope you're everything and this is where he's going to tell about a daughter she's going have you got any news yeah yeah but you know don't worry it can wait um, I'll tell you know you need to make sure that you prepped and you answer the things right she goes no 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 have you got any news yeah oh sorry yeah the news I was going to make you wait for is your daughter's died but uh, not being funny man seriously if you don't know his character from that point on, that's that's how he treats. And again, most people didn't because they didn't see that version. But yeah, um, I do. Th- I do think the setup is great. I do think the fact that I, I, minor annoyance: the, col- the colonists have been there for twenty years, and they've never gone and done what Newt's parents did—gone around the corner, gone around the rock, and seen this huge big spaceship there. Have they never been troubled by them? How long do these aliens exist? Presumably 20 years, because they've never opened up and attacked, or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things that I think are... I just said it's consistent, but are inconsistent in that way that don't make a lot of sense.
2: (laughs) One of the amusing, inadvertently amusing things from the start of the film is... um... Uh, is the 1980s conference room where they're all dressed in their 80s suits smoking cigarettes as they're (laughs) discussing the mission. I just thought for a film which actually is quite innovative, talking about things like stasis and drone technology and terraforming, kind of bringing these concepts to a mainstream audience for the first time in the 80s and then um, other things, they obviously just lack the imagination of what a conference room might look like in uh, in the distant future (laughs) because, yeah, they just crack me up with their they 80s hair, they're 80s suits. And
0: oh, the suit with the collar up. Yeah,
2: all yeah. The collars are up, yeah.
0: Uh, well, that's a concession <laughs> to it. It's not Demolition Man, but it's a concession to the future. In 57 years, they haven't done anything about smoking. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. It's absolutely fine. Uh, what about you, Joe? So just let's have some... We can go anywhere on this. With just some random thoughts on, uh, on it all? Um... Or did you have uh, it? Did you have it in your mind that we were going to get to it chronologically?
1: Well, no. You know, again, I have kind of said a lot what I I wanted to say about
0: okay. it. All right. Uh, oh, so right. I've got other things here. I was just, you know, I wasn't just. A...
2: Well, look, for, for, for me, the film really start, gets going properly when they um, agree the mission and the crew are introduced. The crew wake up from their stasis and Epon uh, sticks a cigar in his mouth straight away as soon as is yeah. <laughs> not, not, not even cleared his chest. And he's, he's already popped a cigar in. And then there's the kind of the, the banter between the um, crew and that's obviously A, entertaining and amusing and B, uh, an effective way of establishing their character and we meet vasquez doing our pull-ups and there's that excellent exchange of vasquez have you ever been mistaken for a man no have you and um, <laughs> that's a that's great line mem- memorable little scenes like that which i thought was, was excellent
1: I, I think that was rare too like uh, vasquez as a character as a marine like you you rarely saw something like that usually if you had a girl that was in the military uh she was kind of like an outcast or she was uh you know, maybe bullied a little bit, or they, they would say, well, you run like a girl or something like that. Like, she showed that she can be just as, uh, you know, equal as the other soldiers. Yeah. And I, I think that was very uh, ahead of its time. And um, I, I, I think she's a very cool character. I think, you know, it's hard, like I, like I what Dom said, that probably the character I like the least is Paul Reiser's character. But overall, I think everybody's really good in it.
0: Absolutely. And Vasquez, if you notice in the film, you can go back and look at this. She's always first in the firing line. She yeah. always put herself first there. She's like, everyone behind me, I'm going first. Especially <laughs> when the, like... the door opens for the first time, they override it. The door opens. Iconic. door opens, she's standing there with this huge great gun around her. And she's just like, yeah. And everyone else is nowhere to be seen. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do this.
1: And yeah, I was watching know. that and, and I was like saying is it because she's brave or is it because she's the first one she wants to be the first one to kill you know <laughs> and, and I have a feeling that's what it is. Probably a bit of both. Yeah.
2: But they, but they don't draw a big arrow to it do we And like you know put their chest out all proud or we, we are doing this it's all about the feet you know it's just yeah. the way the film is shot and edited in it, and it works all the more effectively for that I think um,
0: definitely. That In fact that is, a, that is a very good point. It's not it's not a huge arrow going, Sigourney Weaver is, is you know, strong and confident and tough and all this sort of thing. She's not, she's thrown into it. She suddenly has to deal with, I need to do something about this. The maternal instinct's kicking in, the the slight love interest with with uh, Hicks. All of these things are kicking in. She's going, I've just got to get it done. I, 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 she probably wouldn't even say that she's particularly brave. She'd just go, I've got something that I need to do and nobody else seems to be sorting it out, so I'll have a go. Yeah, I, th- I thought the scene where she um, establishes that she's got
2: capabilities, she's not just along for the ride, where she uses that mm. um, machine exoskeleton thing that she's got with the big pincers, which obviously proves to be a pivotal plot point later on in the film, but, you know, that, that's done very effectively, and she starts to earn the respect of the of the crew as well, Def- definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, but okay. this is where the film really starts to take a different tangent from the original Alien, uh, you know when they start breaking out all the guns and the ammo and the grenades and everything they're going to be taking in there. You think right, you know, we are in a different film. You, you're kind of rubbing your hands together, thinking, "Great, we're going through the gears now." And, and that's obviously yeah. when, when they when they go onto the planet and, and the film uh, goes through its one you know, of most effective, and enjoyable phases.
1: And that was another cool thing is like the the effects of of the guns, the sound. Yeah, it, it, that sound is iconic. For when, yes. the, when the gun fires when the rifles fire and uh, it, it's just such a cool looking, you kind of wonder video games were influenced by it, I, I don't remember when Halo came out um, if it was before or after but uh, it, it does kind of look like something that you would see in Halo That oh, gun, that that really gun looks
0: like Master Chief's gun in the first Halo it, it just looks like the battle rifle if you put them both together one, is, one has a slightly longer muzzle, that's about it Look yeah. identical, yeah. But,
2: but you're spot on. The sound effects are iconic. The I think the use of the head cam footage is really effective as well. Kind of giving you the point of view of the soldiers, and then you're almost watching the, the watchers. You, you know, you have um, you have them back at the command center seeing what's going on. I think it's a really immersive way of bringing the audience into the film and innovative as well. It's not just a linear series of this happens, then this happens, and this happens. You get to experience it from the point of view of the the troops, and I think that really does crank the suspense up as well. Um,
0: yes, yeah, like
2: going into this. Terrifying, horrifying um world where something's clearly gone very badly wrong, but they don't know quite what to, at first, at least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, the the filming where they can see everybody, yeah, everybody's viewpoint on the monitors is great because then you have the added bonus of when they're when they're off, it just goes to snow, and then you like, and then you've got their monitor, you've got all their vitals being filmed. That that's brilliant. That,
1: yeah, and you believe it too. Yeah, it's. You know that they're not that they're using like uh, like VHS cameras or or something like that, but it's not like super. You know, it, it kind of like pulls you into it. Like when you're seeing like how what they're looking at from the first person point of view, I I just thought that was just so well done. And again, I I don't see too many directors thinking outside the box like that to to incorporate something like that in a movie.
2: Yeah. I think the other thing they do that's interesting is although some character, some of the supporting cast have a bit more screen time than others, you know there, there is a kind of a democracy there. You, you spend time with each of them, so that when they do encounter the the aliens um, for the first time, there's a big battle, and you know very quickly several members of the crew are killed off. It's kind of it's pretty impactful. You know people that you have kind of started to invest in and people that you've seen sort of the relationships with one another, and uh, suddenly people are getting burnt alive or killed by acid. I, I think it makes that attack. Yeah, more more impactful, and, and the fact that it's um, Vasquez and Hicks and Hudson that, that managed to ultimately to escape. You know, you, you can't really predict what's going to happen, so it's not it's not an obvious state of affairs what's going to go on. I think it kind of brings together that that chaos of war and of battle pretty effectively. What's going on there? It's not all disciplined and regimented. It's actually chaotic, and people don't know what's going on, and there's people taking friendly fire, uh, for example.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ripley taking charge of going in to get them. You know, and um, again, that's just a we need to go get them. It's not like, oh, I'm going to try bravado now. Well, nobody else is doing anything. I'll do it. And um, one of the points that I picked up, that I probably never picked up before, is on, on about three occasions Ripley has to calm down Hudson, and she does a very good job of doing that. Because he's getting, you know, hysterical. He's getting, you know, all over the place. So She just calms him down. Snappy enough, respectful enough, and to to gain his gain his sort of trust, and the trust of all the people around her is that yeah she's not just a one trick pony she's not along for the ride she actually does have some you know some qualities, and those are things sorry I might sound as if it gets a little bit mushy at this point, but those are again qualities of a you know strong female you know in this particular case leader because nobody else seems to be doing it. Hicks is taking all of his direction from Ripley because she suddenly then finds herself the voice that everyone wants to listen to, that they weren't listening to when she was briefing them. Now they've seen it. Right, okay, well now you're in charge because you seem to know more about this than anybody else. Um so yeah, I did I did enjoy that. I think the dynamics with between Ripley and New Newton Hicks again makes it so disappointing of what's happened at the start of Alien Three, because of what would have happened. Because um, Hicks is real. Hicks is again. You look at this, and it's slight little nuances. Hicks is very protective of new. You. you know, not just don't play with grenades, don't touch that. You know, it's it's all about when he sees them. Who's the first person to go through when they're when both of those are in trouble? Shoot the glass out. Hicks straight in there, right? And you're just thinking that that could have made a great Alien Three.
1: But sadly, we don't have
0: <laughs> Vasquez is probably wrapped with guilt. By the way, that she ends up killing Drake because she kills the alien, sprays him with with acid. Um, but I, I did put here the dynamics Vasquez and Drake. I put Burke B- versus everyone because nobody nobody liked him. The audience didn't like him. But Hudson, I think, had her, has the the cinema audience on his side. You know, and it's weird, and it's and it's nice, Joe, if you say that. The, the person that they looked at out this ragtag outfit um not as a uh, not as tight as you would have thought your uh, friend wanted to go join the military just to be like hudson i love that
1: so what i feel find that's interesting about the whole thing too is that the marines come in they're overconfident we don't know how much battle they've really been in before mm. but they feel like that they have the advanced weaponry and like they can destroy anything and they're looking for a fight ripley has been in that fight she knows what it's like she knows what the creature is like but they don't necessarily believe her they they just feel like whatever comes at us it's just going to be target practice for us you know and they're excited like they're going on a roller coaster ride or something like that you know especially hudson you know can't wait to go into battle yes he's gonna kick ass like all over the place and then you have the incompetent leader you know that makes like these you know he was advanced because of you know how people are advanced and they don't necessarily deserve to be in those spots just because of, of politics or whatever. And then he, he decides that, well, we got to get rid of, you know, you can't have any live ammunition. <laughs> like, I can't say ammunition today. And you, I can't say it. I mean, like, whatever. Thank you. Uh, when they go under that uh, that one area, what does it have? Like some kind of nuclear detonation or something like that? It's to, um,
0: it's a, um... Uh, exchange pipe or something it's a venting
1: yeah Yeah. Um,
2: I think think you're right Joe about the difference between people who have encountered the aliens before and the gung-ho attitude of the commandos I thought it was quite touching when they discover Newt and Ripley's trying to reassure and says don't you think we'll be safer here these people will protect us and Newt's response is it won't make any difference you know just that kind of flat fatalism
0: with some justification I thought that was really interesting absolutely absolutely um, I think it's probably I know only because the, the time, time's moving on but I think we could have a, 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 another discussion if we move into trivia time there's some things in trivia time that I think will spark some good things up so let's go to trivia time because we're not we're not finished here's trivia time trivia time so I think the first thing is how much do you know about the the filming of this at Pinewood Studios and the British crew that were Do you know know much about it?
1: I know a little bit about it. It's
0: fascinating. It's it's fascinating because of the heroes that come out of this particular story. So James Cameron comes in, hires the same crew that work on Alien at Pinewood, and they all come back, and they are not happy because he's not Ridley Scott, and Ridley Scott's not making this film. So they're already sort of against him at the time. Um, So he offers, and he says, look... Here, I'll tell you my credentials. You've probably seen it, but I'll set up a filming for you all so you can all see Terminator. So, you know, I've not just made Piranha 2, I have made T- Terminator. You know, there is, it's in safe hands here. And very, very few of the crew turned up. So, mm-hmm. it started this dynamic whereby the, the, the stars, the stars like Michael Bean and Bill Paxton, especially, couldn't understand the British culture. Oh, it's five o'clock now. We've got to leave. Yeah, we're, we're all off down the pub. Or we need to stop now for a cup of tea. I don't know why I said it that way. Probably for you, Joe. But we need to stop, and you know that way. And they didn't understand the work ethic because they go, no, no, no. You need to need to carry on. Meanwhile, the people the, the people that were working on it did not like James Cameron because the guy is a uh, a taskmaster. I don't think he's particularly liked while he's director, as in while he's directing, because he's very very demanding of what he what he wants. Um, and you could say that's probably why he got some great, great things out of it. But um, what happened was uh, he had a first assistant director who was British, who was well loved by the well loved by the crew. And the guy used to call him and he used to call him Governor. So whenever James Cameron goes, "Can you set this bit up now and did it?" All right, Governor. And James Cameron went, "Can you stop calling me that? Because I just don't like it." And the guy came back and said, "Yeah, okay, I'll stop calling you that, Governor." And so, after a couple of days, he just went. You fired. So he fired him. And as soon as he did that, the crew go right. We're not. We're not working anymore. And they all down tools and they went on strike. So suddenly they had this standoff between James Cameron and his then wife Gale Ann Hurd. Um, in in one corner, the cast sort of in the middle, and the crew, which have all down tools. So Sigourney Weaver. Goes into James Cam- after I think it's after a couple of days because they can't lose a lot. Went into James Cameron's straight uh, to see them, sat down with them and explained and looked at it from the crew's point of view and got them to, to look at it that way. And James Cameron the next day called the crew together and apologized and said, I've been an asshole. I know that I've been an asshole. I know I'm not good to work with. I'm not touchy feely. I'm not very friendly. And because Sigourney Weaver did that. The, the, he then turned around and said we've lost four days we need to make it up somehow he said the crew and went went the extra mile in order to do it because sigourney weaver had gone into bat for them so they wanted to make the film a success for her and i think that's just a great story it's just mm, great that but, but she ends up being the peacemaker in all of this um
2: she's and, um she's yeah. half british isn't she her mother was um english so i wonder if whether that gave
0: her some unique perspective halfway between the two camps absolutely maybe and then equally when you're talking about talking about filming one of the other things which i think is great the scene where they first go in um uh sorry where she first go in uh, to the uh to no sorry let me get it right the scene where they go in and see the uh, the bodies for the first time and the woman opens her eyes says you'll kill me uh he spent an hour and a half a perfectionist getting the smoke just right on that in the set and he said and he was upsetting everyone this is before the apology he was upsetting everybody and he just went we said we just need to film it he's going no 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 a bit more smoke here a bit more smoke there just as they went to film it the canopy on the front of the set went up and the tea lady there's no joke the tea lady came in and said anyone want a cup of tea? (laughs) and all the smoke disappeared out, out the door i just thought that's great again i got that from the uh, the netflix documentary i thought it was great um the other thing just before we go to because i know i know some of you got some some as well this is rotten tomato score it's 98 percent with the critics 94 percent with the audience um it's interesting that when you look at the critics um uh uh Ebert says, so at Cisco Siskel and Ebert, Ebert says, the ads claim you'll be frightened. And in this case, the ads don't lie. Gave it three and a half out of four. Siskel went, count me out of the fan club on this one and gave it two out of four. And you're like, okay, you're both wrong. It's four out of four, but still, um, anything else before I, I do have, a, I do have a lot more, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to mention that, uh, I I told you this, a couple of years ago, Neil Blomkamp, he's a sci-fi director, I forget which movies he did. District 9. District 9, yeah, that was his big one. So he came up with an idea of doing a sequel to Aliens, similar to like what they did with Superman Returns, was they bypassed Superman 3 and 4, and they just took it off as though it didn't exist, those movies, and Superman Returns was a sequel to Superman 2 so he wanted to do a sequel to aliens and disregard aliens 3 and anything that came after that and in it he would have you know hicks come back and newt come back and sigourney weaver of course come back as ripley and it sounded like they they were all on board you know everybody wanted to do it but then what happened was disney bought fox and disney didn't want to do it But, again, that just goes to show that, like, these top-level executives, they have no idea of, like, what the pulse of the audience wants. Uh, That would have just printed money if they would have done something like that. Yeah. Uh, It's just absolutely insane. Another thing, too, was when it was over at Fox and Disney didn't own them, uh, Ridley Scott and James Cameron got together. Do you know this story? Uh, no, they I were. This one. They wanted to make a sequel to uh, or re- revisit the aliens franchise. The two of them, you know. Wow. And uh, they both were on board, you know, but the the guy that was the head of Fox, I think his last name was Rothman, was a jerk because like he kind of ruined a lot of the stuff with the X Men and the Fantastic Four. He didn't want, uh, you know marvel to play like the avengers he he wouldn't loan out the x-men or anything like that you know to to marvel they couldn't he did so many stupid things again another executive that just hated the fans and just had this whole power thing where he wanted to do he never wanted to be told what to do he wanted to do whatever he wanted to do so instead of making this film with james cameron and um ridley scott he decided to do aliens versus predator instead Oof. ouch they could have done both you know yeah. but it, it's just it's crazy when you have two directors that are willing to co-direct the movie together you know of that That's incredible magnitude it's just insane yeah definitely C- couple more
2: specific ones from me charlie for my trivia time so um The actor that plays Bishop Hendrickson had a very difficult childhood in real life and is quite a bad backstory there about some of the experiences had growing up uh, so unsurprisingly he had a reputation for getting into trouble at the various schools he attended and even spent time in a children's home uh, he left school after completing the first grade and he was illiterate until the age of 30 which i thought was, oh,
0: wow. okay. was
2: fascinating yeah and uh something that amused me bill paxton uh, reminiscing later on in life about the filming of aliens and he said the actors all stayed at the holiday inn in um, langley berkshire during filming, uh, and he said, God, we had the best time. We all hung very hard together. That's where I first met Henriksen, who I fell in love with. Al Matthews, it was a really good spirit to have around with a great voice. And all these hilarious British characters like Steadman, the stuntman, who used to grab my bicep and go, blimey, more meat on a cat's cock, <laughs> which I just thought was great. <laughs> yeah, that, that, must a, that, that must have been a fun place to be at the bar at night after a, the hard days filming um, the holiday inn in Langley, Berkshire.
0: Wow. I heard they were filming Full Metal Jacket, and the two of those crews met up at one point. Okay, okay. Uh, but I can't find anything more about it than just, uh, you know, a, may- a maybe thing that happened. I'd like that, Private Joker, and you get the two Trill instructors to, you know.
2: Yeah, wow, yeah, that, that, that might have created some sort of black hole <laughs> in the space time fabric. But just lastly from me then, you mentioned JFK earlier. Um, and at the age of eight, Bill Paxton was in the crowd when um, President John F. Kennedy emerged from the Hotel Texas in Fort Worth on the morning of his assassination. Um, photos of Paxton being lifted above the crowd are on display at the sixth floor museum um, in the Dealey Plaza. Oh, wow. So,
1: hmm, that's interesting. Full wow. circle, Charlie. Oh. Oh.
0: Um, just a few quick fire ones. Uh, when they say it's a 15 minute countdown at the end, it's exactly 15 minutes. So it's not just one of the throwaway lines. Um, I do like that. Uh, the set for the nest Joe, you might like this one, um, was actually kept in place and they used it for the, uh, interior of Axis chemicals in Batman. Uh, um, oh, that's cool. So all of the raised things that they were up, yeah, they just reused them and painted them and, and just made it again.
1: Well, that, that was filmed in Pinewood studios. right? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. did a lot of James Bond stuff there. Yeah. And I guess They've, Superman. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there like a big fire?
0: There was, and they lost they lost a lot of memorabilia. They lost a lot of things that were in there at the time. But thankfully, you know, well, I've got my little piece of the Orca, so I've still got my little uh, tiny bit of oh, memorabilia. Oh, um, And and another quickfire one. I do like this. Um, they the original shuttle that uh, Scully Weaver finds herself in at the end of Alien. Uh, where she defeats the the the, the, the uh, defeats the alien. Um, they lost the the blueprints and the artwork for it, so <laughs> the people that, that that had to recreate it for this film just did it purely off of watching Alien, and had to sort of redraw it and make sure it all looked the same. Um, and I guess my final one would be Scully Weaver wanted too much money um, for this film because by the time she'd done Aliens, she'd, she'd then done Ghostbusters, and so her stock had gone up, and so she demanded more. Uh, and James Cameron went, I can't afford that. And they went, well, well, guess guess you're stuck then, really, aren't you? So he went out for drinks with a friend of his, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger's agent, um, and was just chatting with him and saying, oh yeah, I'm making this film, she's asking too much. So I've uh, commissioned a rewrite uh, which doesn't include her, uh, which basically kills off her character at the start, and then we'll just replace her with something else. So, Schwarzenegger's agent is part of the same agency that's managing Sigourney Weaver. He's straight on the phone to Sigourney Weaver's manager and going, yeah, th- they're about to write you out. And uh, might be a bit underhand, but yeah, she signed on the next day. <laughs> She's like, I'm in. Everything was done very much last minute on this. I mean, I spoke about the James Horner. Again, if you read that, that's a miracle that he came up with a score like that. Because not only do you have that, that nice, you know, the, the, the music from the alien that they, they nick and they they repurpose for this. But you've got that dun-dun, dun-dun music at the end. Wow. If you do yeah. that in two weeks, I'll give you two months. Because then, you know, it must, be, it must be incredible. So, yeah, there we have it. Hey, aliens. I'm. I'm so glad we chose this, and I, again, I couldn't have two better people to do it with. Because if Amanda was here, I don't. I, this is how I'm going to test. She's going to listen to the podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, then you have rights to slap me around the head for this. But all she would have gone is, "Why is she doing that? Why is why, why is she doing that?" Oh boy, What's yeah. you know, Like, oh. Personally, oh. I would
2: have loved to have heard her opinion on this. I'm really just really disappointed I can't... Her. just disappointed she couldn't join us because I would have loved to have heard. A non-fans view of this and you know what whether it changed her mind whether she indeed loved it or whether she actually found some things that perhaps we're we're blind to and, and are overlooking but
0: I, I don't know it. I'm probably I'm joshing really because she's she's well she's my 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 co-partner when we originally signed up and it works it works because of how little that she knows and she loves to saying that at parties because she goes I don't know he knows loads of stuff and I don't know much um, but she 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 would have said, Oh yeah, well I would've I watched it between my fingers and I, I couldn't watch that bit, and I couldn't watch that bit. I don't mean funny, some of the stuff we watched, like John Wick and things like that. You know, if you if you gore and shocks and stuff like that, we're way ahead of that now. I don't yeah. see this as a horror film. This is a science fiction film. This well, is horror. Said,
1: didn't she say that she saw this movie though years ago? No. No. She said that
0: she wouldn't see it. Oh, okay. I don't even think she's an alien. And i've got that in 4k and that is that looks beautiful in 4k by the way i must say if you do have the
1: chance to pick it up
0: i don't think you got okay
1: uh, i mean one thing i was going to ask you two before we end it which movie do you prefer out of the two Oof. Oof. I, I have.
2: I'm, yeah i prefer aliens um you know it's it's for me it's reasonably clear as well and doesn't not to denigrate alien it's an excellent film as well but i just think that the the blend of action in this film makes it a superior film, more entertaining, more enjoyable. So for me, it's, it's this. Mm.
0: Uh, can I not answer? If you I mean, you're, well, your podcast uh, its you got Veronica Cartwright? Veronica Cartwright in aliens is, is so important because the emotion and stuff that she, the sheer over the top, I'm scared. And all this sort of stuff is, is brilliant, but tell me a scene of Tom Skerritt in the tunnel with the dot coming towards him right and he goes down one then he turns around and the flame not even the flamethrower just the flame on the flamethrower lights up the alien and the alien's doing that that's genius that's how you know you're in the presence of greatness Um, I I I, I have thought about this quite a lot of times uh, which one I would prefer and I can't call it I, I I'm sorry Joe what about what about yourself
1: I think probably Alien is a, a better written movie, but I think that Aliens is a more fun movie. You know, that I could watch yeah. Aliens over and over and over again, but probably Alien is the better movie. Um, but again, I just love Aliens. I, I will pick that every single time over Alien. In fact, I I saw this before I saw Alien. Oh, <laughs> because I had no interest in seeing alien because especially since it was one alien too, you know, and it's like, Oh, there's a ton of aliens in this one. I'm on board, <laughs> you know. Right.
0: Well, um, then, then yeah, two, two for aliens, I guess three for aliens because I don't not discount it. It's just, it's just on the level Peggy. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And thank you, uh, on, on new year's Eve as well. Um, what a way to see out 2022. Absolutely, you? what a film to see it out with. I don't know what's coming yeah. next. Have,
2: have I don't we know finished who... the season? Are we still on sequels? Or I uh... oh, was still
0: on sequels for a bit. Um, I, I, I I went out with um, uh, Amanda on a couple of days ago. Uh, we went out in Birmingham for the evening. had a had a lovely, really, really lovely time. And she sort of come up with a a season seven um, theme. <laughs> which we'll discuss when we finish this so yeah sorry we're not going to tell it to you at the moment because it might not happen but i keep threatening Greece too and she said i'm not doing that and oh, i'm like boy. well you know well i don't think it's my choice i think it's it's you know we'll not do the flip coin uh, disaster that we did earlier in the earlier in the year but i think it's yeah it's one of you two that does it so if you two want to whoever whoever does it next the other one goes afterwards i would say and well let's keep the sequel thing going yeah because i know i know, where I, I, know yeah. I picked them we'd pick the christmas ones i picked this one i think we were all in agreement we wanted to do this one but it was my choice um yeah any anything you want to vocalize any anything in your mind at the moment no maybe
1: no nope. happy okay. new year let's come back to that
0: right okay cool right well, uh, I may may edit this now, um, so you might see it just before uh, New Year. Um, depends what the beer situation is like downstairs. It's, it's solely rests upon that. Anyway, thank you for listening in um, 2022. We'll see you on the other side in 2023 with more hilarity, more 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 perhaps falling out. Uh, no, no, never falling out. Just uh, differences of opinion. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Um, as ever you can write to us please visit the website website's great i think it's looking really good i have to do something with it on monday uh, just clean it up a little bit but rustedjokepodcast.com hey i can say that finally it's great if you want to contact us on facebook just type in rusted joke there's nobody else with that it's just us and it just comes up with our podcast um website all the ways to contact us are on there so by all means if you prefer it we're going to need to do a little bit with instagram otherwise Thank you gentlemen and I do appreciate it. And I'll uh we'll we'll see you again soon. Happy New Year everyone. Cheers everyone.
1: Yeah, happy New Year. See ya.